Welcome to Good Friday. You may take your seats. It is a Good Friday. Just excuse my husky voice. Close your eyes and you think it's a man up here. Now, I uh, let you know I've tested negative to COVID. So I think back before 2020, there used to be things called sore throats and colds that were normal. So, and twice, just for those who are still panicking, twice I've tested negative. But I would like to welcome all those here this morning who are here for the very first time to Emerge Church. We'd like to give you a very special welcome. And I pray that you would feel at home today with us this morning. Well, over the many centuries, people have asked and said, what is so good about Good Friday? A day of suffering, a day of sacrifice, a day of beatings, a day of crucifixion. What's so good about Good Friday? Seems to be a bad Friday if you look at it deeply. People just can't comprehend the meaning of the suffering of a man for humanity. You can't imagine, I would never give up my son, Jack, for you. So people can't imagine the suffering, the giving up for humanity, for us. For us who have come into a a relationship with Jesus, it's the best Good Friday ever. It is a Good Friday for us. For my mum, 4th of April, 1969, as she watched a movie called The King of Kings with Charlton Heston. It was a good day for her because it was a day that she gave her life to Jesus. Yes, movies sometimes that can actually, God can move through, not the Star Wars ones, but, uh, you know, and it was that day she watched that movie. She was a devout religious lady, but as she watched that movie, and right at the end, the scene of of Jesus and the crucifixion, she just was overwhelmed and saw for the very first time that Jesus, you died for me. And that day, as she cried, as she really didn't know what to do after seeing a movie, but she said these words, If you really die for me, if you are really a God who loves me, will you show me? Now, this will be a bit dramatic for some of you, but she saw a silhouette of Jesus in the corner of the room and he called it out as stretched out hands and said, come to me, good and faithful servant. She wasn't even a servant yet, but he called it into being. And that day, she's overwhelmed, as you would, seeing a vision like that. She's not one given to that sort of thing. She said, if you're really real, if, this, if, if I'm going crazy, like I'm not sure what's going on, but I know there's something happening. If, it's, if this is really real, will you send someone to tell me about your son, Jesus? At three o'clock that afternoon, she gets a knock at the door of a lady who she knew who lived across the other suburb and said, Amelia, I just feel I need to tell you about Jesus. 
She knew Jesus was a personal God for her. And she gave her life to Jesus. And then my father gave his life to Jesus. It was a good Friday for her. It's a good Friday for us. So why is good Friday so good? It's because of what it points to. It points to Jesus Christ. You know, I want to share just a few events leading probably only on Good Friday. They say about four to six o'clock in the morning, the trials began to bring Jesus to convict him of no crime that he did. And he underwent six different trials. Right, It was between him and a murderer called Barabbas. And the people turned against Jesus and they began to chant and say, give us Barabbas, give us Barabbas, give us Barabbas. Crucify Jesus, crucify Jesus. And Pontius Pilate knew it was the wrong thing, but he gave in to the chance of the people and he sentenced Jesus to crucifixion, death on a cross. We see Jesus died so we can live. Jesus was beaten. He was whipped, crucified, hanging on a cross so we can have life. It's a good Friday even though it looks like a bad Friday. It doesn't make sense, but it is a good plan that God has, a perfect plan. God is so perfect. We are imperfect. And therefore, Jesus had to come and die for us. We know we are sinners in needing of a salvation. And it's through Jesus' death that we receive salvation. You know, there's an old sermon that says, it's Friday, but Sunday is coming. It's Friday, but Sunday is coming because we know that Jesus was resurrected on the Sunday. You know, after the resurrection of Jesus, we read in Acts how Peter went to the house of Cornelius and began to Speak with him. And I want us to read from Acts chapter 10, verses 37 to 43. This is Peter here talking to Cornelius. And he says, That word you know, which was proclaimed throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism of John, which John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all things which he did, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, who they killed by hanging on a tree. Him God raised up on the third day and showed him openly, not to all the people, but to the witnesses chosen before by God, even to us who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that it is he who was ordained by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him, all the prophets witnessed that 
through his name, whoever believes in him will receive remissions of sin. You see, Good Friday points to one, a good person, a person of Jesus Christ. Peter says in Acts 10, 38, he says that you know which was proclaimed throughout Judea that began from Galilee after the baptism of John that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all those who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. Nobody but Jesus is a very personification of all that is good. He is the ultimate good person. Nathaniel once asked in John 1:46, Nazareth, can anything good come from there? Nathaniel asked. Philip said, Well, come and see. And he pointed him to Jesus. Then the rich young ruler came to Jesus and he said in Matthew 19, 16 to 17, just then a man came up to Jesus, which is a rich young ruler, and asked, teacher, what good thing, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied, there is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. You see here, Jesus is pointing to the only one good God. Only God is good. No one is good except God. This means that Jesus, he was pointing to that Jesus is actually God. It means that we as people are not good. Only God is good. Have you ever heard or someone come up to you, go, I'm a good person. I've only done good things. I will go to heaven. We know that only one is good. Only God is good. Good in, Being good enough is not good enough because only God is good. And Jesus is saying to the rich young ruler, he's basically saying this, that Jesus is a good man because he is the good God. He is the God-man, Jesus. You know, even when Jesus went, on to the, went to the cross and he's hanging there, the Roman centurion who was there acknowledged that Jesus, surely he is a good man. All around him, people started noticing that he was a good man. Good Friday points to the only good person. Peter says here in this passage in Acts, verse 38, he who went about doing good and healing all those who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Jesus went around doing good. He was not only just a good person, he was God, not only a good person, but he went around doing good wherever he went. And he still continues to do good on earth today through the power of the Holy Spirit. We haven't been abandoned. We haven't been forgotten about. But through our relationship with God, through a personal connection with God, we can come to him and we can ask of him. You know, Jesus healed people wherever he went. 
Those who are pressed by the devil that we read, John 10.10, we read the thief comes to steal, to kill and to destroy. But Jesus says, I have come to give you life and life to the full. You know, the enemy only wants to take from our lives, but Jesus wants to give to our lives. Satan only wants to rip us off, but Jesus only wants to give us abundantly. You see that? Satan wants to destroy us. But Jesus wants to give to us eternal life. Jesus wants to bless us abundantly. If you have a perception that God is up there waiting for you to make a mistake, to trip up, so then He can bash you, so then He can punish you, so He can do a lightning strike on you, get to hear that ever happening. You're wrong. Jesus sent, God sent His only Son, Jesus, to die for you and I. Number one, so Good Friday points to a good person, Jesus Christ. Number two, Good Friday points to a good plan. Acts 10.39, and we are witnesses of all things which he did both in this land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, who they killed by hanging on a tree. God's plan was to substitute Jesus, the only good person for all of us bad people. It was a good plan. It was a substitution plan. Jesus was the only perfect person who ever lived. The only one who could die and make amends for our sin. He was the only one. It's the plan of substitution. So we don't have to die without forgiveness of sins. God was saying here that all the bad people in the world can be justified through right standing because Jesus stood in our place. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says it so beautifully. God made him who had no sin. Jesus was a perfect man to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. God the Father decided to treat Jesus as if Jesus was guilty of every sin that was ever committed by every person. You see, God the Father treated Jesus like we deserve to be treated. God the Father treated Jesus like we as sinful people need and deserve to be treated so that He could treat us like Jesus deserves to be treated. We don't deserve it, but Jesus was our substitute. God was saying, I'm gonna treat Jesus, put the suffering, the pain, the sin on him so you don't have to go through it. And then he treated us like he would treat his perfect son. God made him who knew no sin. Jesus was a sinless man. To be sin for us, took on 
all of our sins so we might become the righteousness of God. What's righteousness? Being standing right before God. Isaiah 54, 4 to 5, Isaiah prophesies this many, many years before Jesus went to the cross. He says, surely he took up our pain and he bore our suffering. He took it upon himself. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought peace, brought us peace, was on him. The punishment that was on us, he put it on Jesus. The greatest substitute, the greatest person, he put it on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. The perfect one bore our sins. So imperfect ones like us can be his righteousness. So we can come into a relationship with God and be in right standing. You know, have you ever heard people say, gosh, I don't know how you read the Bible. It's just full of blood. Has anyone ever said that to you? It's just gory. It's full of blood. You know, I once read that if you were to uh, take the Word of God and read it, if you were to cut it anywhere, cut it up, blood would drip out of it because it's full of blood. And you're right, and they're right. It is full of blood. It's repeated from the beginning to the end. It's all about sacrifice. I want to show you from the beginning to the end how we see it was all about sacrifice. You know, Abraham, he forewarned it when he almost sacrificed his only son Isaac to the very place, on the very place, the Moriah, where Jesus many years later will be sacrificed. Abraham forewarned it. We see Moses, he spoke about it. With no shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. We see in the Levitical sacrifices pictured here of many little, little lambs being slaughtered and slain for the forgiveness and the remissions of the people's sins. In those days, they would slain the little lambs as a sacrifice for the sins of the people. Thank God that doesn't happen anymore. In Psalms, full of poems written about sacrifice, we see David wrote about it in Psalm 22. He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then a few verses later, we read that they had pierced my hands and my feet. David is predicting what would happen. They're actually describing the crucifixion in poetic terms. And then the prophets, they predicted it. The prophet Isaiah that we just recently read, just a few verses before, predicted. So all of the Old Testament looks forward, looks forward to that bloodshed sacrifice on Good Friday. All the Old Testament's looking forward to Good Friday. 
But we see all the New Testament is looking back to Good Friday. You know, when you open your Bible to the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, between 20 and 40%, depending on which book you read, percentage of the, the, their accounts is devoted chapters and chapters to the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, to the sacrifice, 20 to 40%. That's quite a bit. You know, the Gospels presented the sacrifice of the cross. That's what it talked about, about the cross and the suffering of Jesus and the resurrection. The book of Acts, we see, they look back and they have the reaction. The reaction happens of what happened when Jesus died on the cross. And so it's about the sacrifice on the cross as the world hears the message for the very first time it is brought out to all over the world. And Peter John and Paul, the apostles, preach the message of the cross. So you see, the Old Testament looks forward. The New Testament looks back. I haven't finished yet. In the Gospels, it's the presentation of the crucifixion. In Acts, it's the reaction of the crucifixion. And in the epistles, mostly written by the apostle Paul, it's the implementation of the cross. How do we live this Christian life? How do we do it? So when I come in a relationship and ask for forgiveness of my sins, where do I go from now? What do I do from now? So it's the epistles show us how to live a life and a relationship with God. And finally, we come to the book, last book of the Bible is Revelation. Pretty much a culmination, a summary of Jesus' return. We read in Revelation 13, Jesus Christ is the lamb who was slain from the foundation of the world. So all the Bible looks forward and all the Bible looks back. So why is Good Friday good? Because it points to a good person. It points to a good plan. And finally, Good Friday Number three, it points to a good purpose, a good person, a good plan, and a good person. In Acts chapter 10, 40, says, Him God raised up from the third day. It's Friday, but Sunday's coming. And showed him openly, not to all the people, but to the witnesses chosen before by God, even to us who ate and drank with him. And after he arose from the dead, and he commanded us to preach the good to the people and to testify that it is he who is ordained by God to be the judge of all the living and the dead. And to him, all the prophets, witnesses that through his name, whoever believes in him shall receive remissions of sin. The word remissions of sin means forgiveness. That's God's purpose. A good person, Jesus. A good plan, substitution. A good purpose, forgiveness. And we can have forgiveness through Jesus Christ. You know, when you believe and you ask Jesus Christ into your life and you ask for forgiveness, he promises that all your sins will be forgiven. When Jesus was put on the cross, you know, his very first statement, his very, the very first statement that came 
out of his hand, out of out of his mouth when he was on the cross looking down he says jesus forgive them you got to thank god i didn't go to the cross cuz i wouldn't be saying forgive them i'll be saying lightning bolts right now simultaneously across this place jesus said forgive them the very first statement. What an outstanding statement. An innocent man on a cross knows he is innocent, knows that what he needs to do, turns, says, forgive them. The crowd who, realized, who released the murderer of Barabbas, this crowd rejected him. The city rejected him when he was born. No room in the inn. There was a plot for his death. And he says, forgive them. He says, Father, forgive them. Because he knew it was humans, humans' greatest need was forgiveness. That's why he came to die. That's why it's a good Friday. It's Friday, but Sunday is coming. It's Friday, but Sunday is coming. His death is not the end of the story. And if you are a Christian here, if you've come into a relationship with your personal Jesus, your personal Saviour, you know it's not a full stop. It's a comma. It's not the end. His death is not the end of the story because through his death, we can have forgiveness of sins. Today, we're going to gather around and take communion together. And I want you to open up your communion right now and be ready to receive that. And for all those who have a personal relationship with God right now, you have the opportunity to take communion. You know, this morning, I want you to look through your communion. I want you to have like glasses, lenses that look through and look at your communion right now. I want you to stare at it, not in a stance, but I want to, for you to look through the bread and the juice. Look at Jesus through communion. You see Jesus? I want you to stand right now as we prepare to take communion together. And as you, as you look at your communion right now, you see Jesus as you take it, before you take it, I want you to look back to the cross. Jesus says that as often as you take communion, remember me. That's why I want you to really take some considered time right now to look at your communion, to remember the sacrifice of Jesus. And I want to look 
want you to go to the next stage and look at your communion at the present. So looking back at the cross, remembering what Jesus did on the cross, but now I want you to bring it back to the present. I want you to bring it back to your personal intimate relationship with Jesus. The closeness that you have with him because of the cross. He is with you today. He is here with you today. He's not a far off, distant God. He's a real God who wants to be personal in your life. Today, right now, he's a present God. He's a present saviour. Now I want you to go to the third stage and I want you to look at the future. You know, Apostle, Apostle Paul, he wrote, he said, as often as you take communion, as often as you take the emblems of communion, you are showing the Lord's death, remembering the Lord's death until he comes back again. Jesus is coming back again. Bring it on, God. I'm ready. Jesus is coming back again. And he says, remember. Look back. Look at your present. But look at the future. Jesus is returning again. The great hope of Jesus' return. Jesus is coming back again. At this stage, the devil trembles. Satan hates it because he gets scared when we take communion because we are testifying this morning. The day is very coming very close to the end for Satan. And the day of, Jesus, of Satan's reign is going to be over. 